0: Thank you, Austin, for doing a great job leading us in our singing this morning. And thank you, Brother Chuck, for your wonderful words at the table and just all of you who are here this morning to worship God. So good to see all of you here this morning. As we begin our second study this morning, from God's Word, I want to be totally up front with you. I want to give you full disclosure. I want you to know right away that I'm going to preach about something this morning you may not like. I'm going to preach about something that is unpopular. And it's unattractive. I'm going to preach about something that is often avoided in pulpits across the country. And it may be the last thing you want to think about right now. But you need to think about it. You need to know about it. You need to know what the Bible says about hell. You need to know what the Bible says about hell. And I'm going to tell you, if there is any subject that people want to avoid in the religious world today, it's this subject right here, right? It's a subject of hell. You see, most people sitting in church buildings across this country right now, they don't want to hear sermons about hell. In fact, not only do not most people want to hear sermons about hell, but most preachers, they don't want to preach about hell. I'm reminded of what one well-known preacher said about why he doesn't preach about hell. This man is a preacher or a pastor of a church of over 42,000 people, and he says this. He says, quote, My approach is not hellfire and brimstone because people are already beaten down by life and they have too much guilt, and I want to lift them up. That's why he doesn't preach about hell. And then another preacher said, that he has not mentioned hell in a sermon in the last 25 years. And still another preacher said that he doesn't even mention the word hell in any of his sermons because if he did, he knows that people in his church would faint. So many preachers don't want to preach about hell. And so many people don't want to hear sermons about hell. The question is, what about you? What about you and your life right now? Are you like so many people in our culture and society today? Are you like so many people who like to duck and dodge and avoid hearing what the Bible says about hell? Or are you different? Are you unique? Are you somebody here this morning who wants to hear the full counsel of God? If you remember last week from this pulpit, I preached a sermon to you about heaven, didn't I? I gave you a sermon on heaven last week. I actually answered four questions that a lot of people have about heaven. I gave you numerous scriptures from the Bible that I believe verify to us that heaven is real and it's wonderful and amazing. And we're going to know each other in heaven and we can actually live there forever because of the forgiveness of Jesus. I truly hope that you were encouraged and motivated by that sermon to want to go to heaven above anything else but to give you a complete picture of what the Bible tells us about the afterlife, I can't just preach to you about heaven. I can't just preach to you about the place where God is and and where Jesus is. No, if I'm going to give you a complete picture of what the Bible says about the afterlife, then i got to also preach to you about the other place. I got to also preach to you about hell. I got to also give you four things that you need to know about hell. And the first thing you need to know is this. The first thing you need to know about hell is hell is real. Hell is real. I got to start here this morning because, believe it or not, but an increasing number of people in our society don't believe this. They don't believe in the reality of hell. They don't believe that hell is a real place. In fact, in a Gallup poll that was conducted just this year, it was revealed that belief in God, Satan, angels, heaven and hell are at a 23 year low here in America. Belief in all those things at a 23 year low here in America. In fact, in the case of hell, only 59 percent of people polled claimed to believe that a hell is an actual place. Compare that to 71% of people who gave the opposite answer to that question back in 2001. You see, instead of believing in the reality of hell, what a lot of people believe in today is something called universalism. Universalism. You know what universalism is? Universalism is the belief system that suggests that in the end, everybody's going to be saved. Everybody's going to go to heaven. Everybody's going to end up with God forever. A well known evangelical preacher from Michigan named Rob Bell actually promoted this very idea in his best selling book entitled Love Wins, a book about heaven, hell, and the fate of every single person to have ever lived. You see, in this book, Rob Bell essentially suggests that ultimately everybody's going to be saved everybody's going to end up in heaven. No matter what spiritual condition we die in, we're all going to end up in the same place. That is essentially what universalism is. And a lot of people, more and more people are believing in that doctrine. But not only do some people believe in universalism, some other people believe in annihilation. Annihilation. Annihilation is the idea that if you die in your sins, you won't actually end up in a place called hell. Instead, your soul will just be destroyed. Your soul will just be annihilated. You will just simply cease to exist. You're going to lose your identity. You're going to lose your your, your memory. Some people believe in annihilation. And then you got some other people who believe that when the Bible speaks about hell, Is using very figurative and and symbolic language to just talk about this world. They say that when the Bible speaks about hell, hell represents this world and all the sinful stuff going on in this world. You may hear people say from time to time, we're living in hell on earth. These are just a few beliefs that people hold to in the world today. And I want to suggest that all of this, is wrong. It's all wrong. It's all unscriptural. And it's unbiblical. It's not what the Bible says at all. And so do you want to know what the Bible says? You want to know what this book says? I want to ask you to go in your Bible, please, to Matthew chapter five. And I'm going to read to you right now a lot of scriptures. And I'm going to ask you to turn to these scriptures. I know that I could put these scriptures on the slide and make it very convenient for you, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that for you because here is why I like for people to turn in their Bible because there is value to turn into the Bible. It's good for our young people. It's good for our kids. It's good for the new converts. It helps people get familiar with the Bible. We got to be careful getting away from this idea of turning to to scriptures. We got to turn to the scriptures. And so I want to hear Bibles going. If you brought your Bible this morning, I hope you it, brought it for a reason. Let's use it actually. And so let's go in our Bible to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to put a lot of scriptures on here, so stay with me here. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 21. Matthew 5 and 21, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother... Should be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, should be guilty before the Supreme Court. And and whoever says you fool should be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Notice how Jesus there talks about hell. He talks about the fiery hell. Drop down to verse number 29, please. In verse number 29, Jesus says, if your right eye, right eye makes you stumble. Tear it out and throw it from you, for it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, you, for it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Look at chapter 7 now, please, of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, look at verse number 13. As Jesus gets ready to wrap up the great Sermon on the Mount... He says, "Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are a few who find it." Notice how in verse 13 Jesus talks about that broad path that leads to destruction. What is he talking about there? Well, he's talking about the path that leads to hell. He's talking about the path that leads to eternal spiritual destruction. Jesus is talking about hell in verse number 13. And then go in your Bible to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, look at verse number 28. In Matthew 10 and verse 28, Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul or soul and body in hell. When you go to Matthew chapter 23, remember when Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees for their hypocrisy? And in Matthew 23 and in verse number 15, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. In verse 33, he says, you serpents. You brood of vipers. How will you escape the sentence of hell? Let me give you one more place to turn to, please. Let's get some Mark in here. These are all Matthew passages and we could stop there. But just look at what Mark tells us in Mark chapter nine and verse 42 In Mark chapter nine. And in verse 42, Jesus says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble there, Jesus is talking about his people. The children of God, if we cause a child of God to stumble and lose their faith, Jesus says it's not going to be good for us. He goes on to say it would be better for him. If with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea. If your hand caused you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell and to the unquenchable fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot caused you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye caused you to stumble, throw it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Do you see the point of all those verses? You see the common thread that just kind of weaves its way through all those verses. Notice how in all those verses we see that according to the Bible, hell is real. Hell is a real place. It is a real actual place where real actual people or actual souls are going to be. The Bible announces this clearly. And emphatically over and over again. In fact, notice how Jesus, Jesus announced this clearly and emphatically over and over again. Do you see that? Do you see? Who's doing the talking here in all these verses? I did that on purpose. Notice how in all these verses, Jesus is the one doing the talking. Jesus is the one doing the preaching. Jesus is the one saying that hell is real and not just some people are going to end up there. Jesus says most people are going to end up there. Jesus is preaching about hell in all these verses. In fact, the truth is, and listen carefully, no one in the entire Bible preaches more about hell than Jesus. Jesus actually preached more about hell. Than all the other preachers in the Bible combined, and it's not even close. Jesus preached more about hell than the Old Testament prophets and more about hell than all the apostles, more than anyone else. Jesus exposed the fact that hell is real and it is operating, and most people are going to end up there. The question is do we believe Jesus? Do we believe the preaching of Jesus? I submit that you must believe in hell. If you're going to truly believe in Jesus. I submit that you cannot reasonably believe in Jesus while also denying the existence of hell. You cannot do that because hell was a big part of Jesus ministry. Hell was a big part of Jesus preaching. Hell was something that Jesus just couldn't stop talking about. He's talking about it over and over and over again. And you must believe in hell. If you're going to reasonably believe in Jesus, in fact, not only must you believe in hell if you're going to believe in Jesus, but you also must believe in hell if you're going to believe in heaven. You cannot reasonably believe in heaven without also believing in hell. And the reason why that is, is because, again, Jesus preached about both places. Jesus preached about heaven. And Jesus preached about hell. In fact, here's the truth. The truth is Jesus actually had a whole lot more to say about hell than he did about heaven. He preached a whole lot more about hell than he did about heaven. You see, if we're going to truly believe in heaven and believe in Jesus, then we must believe in hell. We must believe in the existence of hell. We must believe that hell is a real place. It's all a package deal. It's a package deal. The Bible says that hell is real. And one of the reasons why hell is real is because God's justice demands it. God's justice demands hell. You ever thought about that before? In the 97th Psalm in verse number two. And the 97th Psalm in verse number two, the psalmist says clouds and thick darkness surround him. Clouds and thick darkness surround God. That's judgment language. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. One of the most important things that the Bible tells us about God is God is just. God is a just God. When we say God is a just God, we mean this. We mean that God punishes wickedness. We mean that God always executes justice. God is a God who brings judgment against people who do evil things. The Bible says that God is a God of love and he's also a God of justice. But listen carefully. If there is no hell, the Bible is wrong about that. If there is no hell, God cannot be a just God. God cannot be a God of justice if there is no hell. I believe it's important for us to point this out because so often people ask this question. They'll say, well, how can a good God send people to hell? How can a loving God send people to hell? How can a God who is supposed to be just, send people to a place where they're going to suffer forever and ever and ever. You ever heard people ask those kind of questions before? My friends, people who ask those kinds of questions totally misunderstand what the Bible says about the justice of God. They totally miss it. They fail to realize that punishing wicked people for evil behavior in hell is exactly what a just God would do exactly what we expect god to do that's the whole point of a place like psalm 97 and then jesus taught that in his ministry look in your bible in luke chapter 12 in luke the 12th chapter and in verse number four in luke the 12th chapter and in verse number four jesus said these words he says i say to you my friends do not be afraid of those who kill the body And after that, they have no more they can do to you. But I will warn you to whom to fear. Fear the one who's after, who after he has killed, he has the authority, he has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. You see what Jesus is telling us about hell there? There Jesus is telling us that hell is a place of God's judgment. It is a place where evildoers are punished. It is a place where wicked people experience a punishment far worse than any punishment they could ever experience in this life. That's what the Lord is saying there about hell. And I believe there are two points of application we need to take away from that. First, and please listen carefully. We need to appreciate the fact that because there is a place called hell... Wicked people don't ever truly get away with their wickedness. Wicked people, because hell is real, they never truly get away with their wickedness. They never get away scot-free. That is true of Adolf Hitler, who murdered millions and millions of Jews, but killed himself in an underground bunker before he was brought to justice. It is true of the terrorists who flew planes into the World Trade Center on 9-11 and killed thousands and thousands of people and even killed themselves. It is true of all those people we hear about on the news who go into churches and schools and grocery stores and they murder dozens and dozens of people, but then they turn the gun on themselves to take their own lives before they're brought to justice. You see, while all those people are able to escape, facing human courts and human judges and juries and justice in this life, because of the reality of hell, they won't escape God's judgment. They won't escape God's judgment in eternity. They won't escape experiencing punishment from the ultimate judge who is God. You see, the wicked... We'll receive punishment from God in hell. And the main reason why that is, is because sin is serious. Sin is serious business to God. In fact, sin is so serious to God that we need to understand that hell isn't just for the suicide bombers. And it isn't just for people like Adolf Hitler. And it isn't just for people who who go into churches and grocery stores and schools and murder dozens and dozens of people and then kill themselves. No, hell is for all people who die in their sins. Hell is for all people who choose to defy God and reject his standard for their lives. That is exactly what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter six, and verse twenty three, where Paul says the wages of sin is Death, spiritual death, spiritual death and hell. Hell is real. And one of the reasons why it is real is because the justice of God demands a place like that. And I want to tell you thirdly, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go to hell. And I got to address this point because for so many people, They seem to have misunderstandings about hell. As I said before, for many people, for an increasing number of people, they believe that in hell they're just going to be annihilated. They believe in annihilation. They believe that when in hell their soul is just going to be destroyed, it's going to be incinerated, and they're just going to cease to exist. Now that would be great if that was true. You live a wicked life and all you got to do is get blown up. You you won't know you ever existed. That would be a good thought. And a lot of people believe that. And then you got some other people who believe that that hell is bad. I mean, it's horrible, but one day they're going to be able to get out of there. I mean, maybe they'll be able to get out in 10,000 years or or 10 million years or 10 billion years or 10 zillion years. Again, that would be a pretty good thought. I mean, one day you'll be able to get out of hell. Some people believe that. But then some people also believe that in hell, you're just going to have one big party. It's gonna be a big old party going on in hell. You're gonna be able to hang out with your favorite rock stars and your favorite rappers and your favorite celebrities from Hollywood and all your sinful friends. And guess what? The devil? Well, he's gonna be running the show. The devil's gonna be in charge. He's gonna be sitting on the throne supervising everything where everybody just has a good old time. A lot of people believe those kinds of things, and all of those things are wrong. They're absolutely wrong. They're not even remotely close to what the Bible says about hell. You see, according to the Bible, you don't want to get anywhere close to hell. You don't want to see hell. You don't want to feel hell. You don't want to smell hell. You don't want to spend 10 seconds in hell, let alone 10 million or 10 trillion or 10 zillion years. You don't want to spend any amount of time in hell. And I know that. Because Jesus said so. You see, according to Jesus, hell's not a place of fun and partying with your favorite rapper or your favorite Hollywood celebrity. Instead, hell's a place of suffering. It's a place of suffering. It's a place of suffering so bad that we can't possibly imagine it. Jesus says in those verses we read earlier that hell is a place of eternal. An unquenchable fire. It's a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of outer darkness and an environment that's just absolutely terrifying. Hell is a place of suffering. And it's also a place where a lot of bad people are going to be. In Revelation chapter 21, and verse 8, the Bible says that in hell, the unbelieving people will be there. Your atheists are going to be there. Your agnostics are going to be there. Your people who just spoke with their mouth, they believed in God, but in their actions, they didn't believe in God. They're going to be there along with the murderers, along with the sorcerers, along with the liars. In fact, not only will those kinds of people be in hell, but the Bible says the devil is going to be there. The devil is going to be there with his angels. Did you notice Brother Jonathan read that for us this morning in Revelation chapter 20? I'm going to Revelation 20. And I'm looking at verse number 10 and Revelation 20 in verse number 10. The Bible says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Notice how according to that verse. The devil's not running the show in hell. He's not running the show. He's not in charge. He's not sitting on a throne with a pitchfork telling everybody what to do and making sure everything goes smoothly. No, the Bible says that when the devil gets to hell, he's going to be suffering like everybody else. He's going to be burning and suffering like all the other people who are there. He's going to be experiencing torment and God's wrath and judgment. That's what the Bible says. It's going to be a lot of suffering going on in hell, including for the devil. And I want you to notice that all of that's going to be forever. Do you see that at the end of verse 10 there in Revelation 20? Tormenting day and night forever and ever. You see that? I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 25. If you will look with me, please, at Matthew 25 and verse 46. In Matthew 25 and verse number 46, Jesus has given us a judgment day scene. And in this particular scene, the main thing under consideration when people stand before him is did they help people? Did you help people? Did you visit the sick? Did you help the poor? Did you use your resources to bless other people? That's the main thing under consideration from verses 31 through the rest of that chapter. That's what Jesus is judging people on in this scene. And when it comes to the people who did not help others, who were selfish and stingy, Like that rich man from Luke 16. In verse number 46, Jesus says, these will go away into what? Eternal or everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal or everlasting life. Notice Jesus doesn't say anything about hell being a place of annihilation. Do you see that? He doesn't say that that after you spend 10 million or 10 billion or 10 trillion years there. Well, one day you'll be able to get out of there and you'll be able to go to heaven. No, Jesus says that those who end up in hell, they will be there forever. They will receive everlasting punishment. Their suffering will never end. That is horrible. But that's not the worst thing about this place. The worst thing about this place is not that there's a lot of suffering. And a lot of bad people, including the devil. And if you go there, you're gonna be there forever. The worst thing about this place is the fact that God is not there. God is not anywhere in hell. And I wanna show you that from the Bible. You're still in Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Again, we have a judgment day scene here. And Jesus says in Matthew 7 and verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does, he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, the judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And here's the key, verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. And here is one of the most frightening words in all the Bible, depart, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Hell is a place where people are told to depart from the presence of God. They're told to depart from the presence of Jesus. It doesn't get any worse than that. And Paul makes this point in 2 Thessalonians chapter one I'm going to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and in verse number 8, as Paul talks about what's going to happen on the judgment day when the Lord comes back. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul says that when the Lord comes back, he's going to be dealing out retribution, judgment to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will pay the penalty of what? Eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Notice how the worst thing about hell, the worst thing about hell, and if you don't take anything else home this morning, take this home with you. It's not the suffering. It's not the weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not the darkness. It's not the fact that the devil's going to be there with his angels or even the fact that you'll never leave. No, the worst thing about hell is God is not there. The presence of God is not there. There are no blessings from God in hell. That is very different than what the wicked experience right now living on this earth. You see, right now, wicked people, the atheist, the agnostic, the people who reject God, they get to enjoy so many of God's blessings. They get to enjoy the same sun that we get to enjoy. They get to enjoy the same rain, the same moon, the same stars. They get to enjoy the same Grand Canyon. And the same oceans and rivers and lakes and mountains, they get to enjoy so many of the same things that believers get to enjoy. But it's not going to be that way in hell. In hell, the wicked will not experience any part of God or any part of his blessings. You see, just like the best thing about heaven is the fact that in heaven, God is there. The worst thing about hell is the fact God is not there. God's presence is not there. God's goodness is not there. God's provisions that we all enjoy even right now, they are not there. You don't want to go to hell. But I want to close by saying you can go there. You can go there. You can actually spend eternity in hell and not because you're predestined to go to hell like the Calvinists suggest, And not because God wants you to go to hell. No, God doesn't want anybody to be lost. God doesn't want anybody to be in hell. In Matthew 25 and verse number 41, Jesus says that hell wasn't originally created for us. Instead, it was originally made for the devil. The devil and his angels. God doesn't want us to be in hell. See, if you spend eternity in hell, it won't be because of God. Or because... You are predestined to go there like the Calvinists falsely suggest. No, it's going to be because if we end up in hell, it's going to be because we chose to go there. We chose to go there. And are you still in 2 Thessalonians 1, last passage, verse 8? Again, verse 8. When Jesus comes back, he's going to be dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who what? Do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. You see, while God will cast wicked people into hell on the judgment day, there is a big sense in which we in which we send ourselves there. We send ourselves there. How do we send ourselves there? Well, we send ourselves to hell because of our choices. Because of our decisions. Because we choose to rebel against God and choose to live our own lives and refuse to study his word and and refuse to apply his word to our lives. You see, we got to understand something this morning. We got to understand that in addition to people like Adolf Hitler, And Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden and people who hurt children and sell drugs and fly planes in the buildings and do all kinds of other things that I think we all will agree are extraordinarily wicked. We also could end up in this place. We also could end up in hell. We could end up suffering in hell for eternity. In fact, I believe with every fiber of my being that if any of us do end up in hell, our experience there is going to be worse than anybody else's. If any of us end up in hell, our experience for eternity will be worse than anyone else's because we're going to be there knowing that we didn't have to be there. We didn't have to be there. We're going to be there knowing that we went to church every Sunday. And we heard a lot of sermons and we went to a lot of Bible classes and we heard sermons preached from the pulpit over and over again. And we read our Bibles from cover to cover. And some of us were even raised by godly Christian parents, but none of that ever truly impacted our hearts. None of that ever truly impacted our choices. Either we never chose to repent and be baptized for the remission of our sins. We just heard all these sermons, and we just sit there in the pew, and we said, I'm not getting baptized. And then we go to hell. Or we foolishly leave the Lord as Christians, and we never come back to him. Or we just live live hypocritical lives, and we think we're fooling God, and eventually we die in our sins. We need to understand that we can actually go to this place. And I know that's not easy to hear. I know that. I know none of these things have been easy for you to hear this morning. This lesson, certainly, it's not been easy to preach. I didn't get up this morning saying, "Woo, I can't wait to tell Mona Vista about hell. It's not an easy sermon to preach. But I had to preach it. I had to tell you four things about hell. You know why? Because I love all of God's word. And I love you. And I want to help you avoid being there for eternity. In fact, this brings me to some good news, some good news I wanna share with you. I've been giving you a lot of bad news today. Can I close by giving you some good news? I wanna give you some good news. I wanna give you the best news I could ever give you in your whole life. The best news I could ever give you is while you could end up in hell, while I could end up in hell, we don't have to end up in hell. We don't have to be in hell because of Jesus because of what Jesus did at the cross because Jesus died on our sins died for our sins and was raised from the dead because Jesus came to this earth lived a perfect life as a man and did the work of God and he came to save us from this place Jesus came to save us from hell and my final question this morning is are you following Jesus have you been forgiven by Jesus? Because if you're going to avoid hell, my friends, you're not going to be able to avoid it on your own. I can't avoid hell on my own. We all need Jesus. We need to be, as the song says, washed in the blood of Jesus. And so if there's someone here this morning who needs to do that, who needs to repent of sin because of your faith in Christ and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Or if there's someone here this morning. And you are a Christian, but you're off that narrow path that leads to eternal life. If you need to repent and get back on that path so you can avoid being somewhere that you have no right going to. Whatever we need to do this morning to help you get right with Jesus, the only one who can save us from hell. Come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing together.